Welcome to Newbridge Christian Community, a place we experience perfection unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Join us as Pastor David Ogenenrobo teaches and divides the word of truth. Be blessed as you listen to the sermon. In Christ, we are God's new breed. How to read and interpret the Bible. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. From verse 24. Saying, Master, Moses said, if a man die having no children. Saying, Master, Moses said, if a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were with us seven brethren, and the first, when he had married the wife, deceased, and having no issue, let his wife unto his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third, and the seventh. And last of all, the woman died also. In the res- Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be? For they all had her. Jesus answered and said unto them, Yea, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. What did he say? You err. That's old English for error. Do you understand that? You are in error. Why? Because you don't know the scriptures, nor the power of God. So according to Jesus, the arrangement to know the power of God is first know the scriptures. Praise the Lord. So according to Jesus, he wants you to do what first? You know the scriptures, then by knowing the scriptures, the power of God is unveiled to you. Are we together? A classic example of that, we looked at that yesterday. Luke 24. It says you err. So the source of error, according to the opinion of Jesus, is you don't know the scriptures. And because you don't know the scriptures, the power of God in its fullness will not be unveiled to you. Praise the Lord. Luke 22 from... Luke 24, please. From verse 12. It's a long read, but pay attention. Because last yesterday we started with, how does God want us to know Jesus? How does God want us to study about Jesus? So, this was after Jesus rose from the grave and his apostles heard. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulchre and stooping down, he beheld the lining clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself, at that which was come to pass. Verse 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. Verse 14. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. What things were they talking about? They were talking about the death, the burial, the resurrection. It was a rumor that this guy, Jesus, is just turning the city up, upside down. What's going on? <laughs> so, and they talked together. Verse 14. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they come in together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So, Jesus heard them talking about him. Talking about what was going on. Are you following this? And the issues that had been going on, his death and all of that. So, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Verse 16. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. So, by some sort of miracle, somehow, their eyes were holding that they should not know Jesus. So, Jesus got close to them. You know, that those things that happens when you're walking on the road. Then two people are discussing. And somehow, you just have to pass that part. So, you are just hearing what they are saying. Are you following me? The people may not pay attention to you because you are all on that plane. That's what was happening here. But if for adventure you know the person, say, ah, Janet, you are here. How are you? But they didn't know that it was Jesus that was following them while they were talking, right? But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Hold this verse. Very important. The next. And he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? He says, and one of them whose name was Cleopas, Answering said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? Verse 19. And he said unto them, What things? And I said unto him, 
concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was the prophet mighty indeed and in word before God and all the people. Now, the Jesus of Nazareth is with them. <laughs> Are you following this? But remember, they don't know him. It's 20. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said he was alive. And certain of them which, were, which, which went with us from the sepulchre and found it, so even as the women had said, but him they saw not. That means they didn't see Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, this was just his reply to them. What did he say? Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of hearts to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Do you realize he didn't tell them, O fools and slow of hearts to believe all that I have said? He says, all fools love how to believe all that the prophets have spoken. What prophets were you talking about? Old Testament. The prophets, what the things that the prophets had said about him in the scriptures. The Old Testament scriptures. Are you with me? But that's not where we are going. Let's continue. Ought not Christ to have suffered? Go back. Ought not Christ to have suffered this night to enter his glory? The next verse. And beginning at Moses. Ah, yesterday. Bible Illumina yesterday was hot. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He's showing them Christ in the scriptures, in the Old Testament scriptures. Are you with me? Jesus is teaching them about himself, but they still don't know that he's the one. Pay attention. And they drew near unto the village, and whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. So he acted as though he would have gone further. But it's like, see, it's as though the gist, the explanation was getting interesting. So they said, don't go here. Come, come, come. Let's finish this thing. Who is with me? And they drew into the village and they went and he made as though he would have gone further. Verse 29. But they constrained him, saying, abide with us, for it is toward evening and the day is past spent. And he went in to tarry with them. Verse 30. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat, with them, he took bread and blessed it. Now, we can assume he had finished showing them from the scriptures, right? Okay. And he took bread and blessed and break it and gave to them. Verse 31. And their eyes were opened. And they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. Hallelujah. Do you realize that Jesus Christ showed them himself first from the scriptures before the eyes were opened? What does that mean? If your eyes have not seen Christ in the scriptures, even though you are with him, he may be walking with you physically, you will still be blind. So Jesus told them, you err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For their eyes to be open to see him. Where did they see him first? The scriptures. Can't you see the same order? The scriptures, then the power of God. You want to function in God's power. Praise the Lord. And if that is so, then we must take biblical interpretation very serious. Praise the Lord. Say after me, I choose to know the scriptures. We said a lot last week. And we landed at 2 Timothy 2 verse 15. It says, Study. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15. It says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Actually, in the original, I don't like using Greek words, but please just permit me. In the original, this word study is spudazo. It's the word for diligence. Be diligent. Thank you. I like this translation. Be diligent to present yourself approved unto God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed. Correctly teaching the word of truth. But let's go to King James. 
Study to show thyself approved. A workman that didn't ought to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Do you know what this means? It means there is a right way to divide the word of God. And if there is a right way, that means there is also a wrong way. Praise the Lord. Like we've been saying in the past one week. It says, approved unto God. For you to be approved unto God when it comes to Bible study, that means God has a standard. You know, let me say, it depends on how you see it. That This is my interpretation. This, see, these diverse types of interpretations have created different types of Christianity. In fact, it has bettered different types of religions. Approved unto God. That means God has a standard. And yesterday at Bible Illumina, I told them that as a minister of the gospel, as a pastor, a minister of the gospel, the people you may be ministering to may not know the standard. So they may not be able to hold you accountable. But God knows. Are you following this? God knows. So I told them it's our duty to train. Praise the Lord. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And we began to look at the principles of biblical interpretation. Praise the Lord. The first one we mentioned was the principle of literal reading. And we said two things under that. You must read your Bible before trying to understand it. You must be a person given to Bible reading. You know, yesterday, the first principle is the principle of Bible reading. You must read the Bible before trying to understand it. Too important. Many people, they want to, they want to understand, they want to bring out some deep, thin reminds of the Bible. You've not even read the Bible. There is a way the Bible talks. There is a way the Bible, the Bible has its own bias. Do you understand? The Bible has its own attitude to things. Then we also said, under literal reading, we said, when the literal meaning of a scripture is clear and precise, take it for what it is. When it is clear, plain, precise. When it is clear, take it for what it is. For instance, I heard some people arguing the other day. The Bible says Jesus walked on water. Do you know we arguing that it was not real water? It was metaphorical water. The water of the bad situation. The water of... But Peter came out on the boat and walked and said, No, 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 it's not... Ah. Peter walked... Jesus walked on water. It's clear. Praise the Lord. Number two. We talked about... Now, somebody may be telling me, Ah, ah. Why are you talking like that? It's not something everybody knows. Let me tell you. It's not to... Somebody was preaching one day. It happened to me too. So I know that it's possible. You may, if, you know when it comes to the Bible, if you don't learn it intentionally, you are, you, you are prone to assume. You can just hear something and assume. For instance, some who believe that Paul, Saul encountered Jesus and his name was changed from Saul to Paul. Now when he encountered Jesus, he was no longer called Saul. And now, they now started calling him Paul. Do you know I believe that thing? Uh, to me, that it was until one day, like a thunderbolt. Please, let's look at Acts 13 verse 9. <laughs> Acts 13 verse 9. Look at this. It says, Then Saul, who is also called Paul. Hey! with the Holy Ghost. I I thought Saul was a bad name. No. Even when Jesus met Saul in Acts chapter 9, Jesus called him Saul. Jesus never changed his name. If you don't learn it intentionally, you are prone to assume. Praise the Lord. Okay, and he fell to the earth. Acts 9 verse 4. That was when Saul fell to the earth. And he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou me? This is Jesus talking. What happened is, the Gentiles called 
him Paul. The Jews called him Saul. Finished. Same thing. Number two, the principle of witness. The principle of witness. What's the principle of witness? I think I would like to read a verse for you to get it. Second, you can check this one out later. You have. But I'll read Second Peter 1 verse 19 to 21. But you can read. You can check out later Matthew 18 verse 16. It says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, a word is established. I'll, don't worry, I'll get there. But just post this one up. Let us, let us see it. Matthew 18 verse 16. The last phrase of it, it says, In the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. It also says it in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 1. It says, this is the third time I'm coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. When you read a part of the Bible that is not clear, don't hurriedly accept it. Hold it somewhere. And keep reading. Do you understand that? There must be something else somewhere that explains that thing that is not clear. Do you understand that? So this one is a witness to what you found earlier. Are we together? So the, 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 the word witness, the principle of witness comes from something happened. We need more than one or two. If two, three people come and say the same thing, you know, ah, this, thing is, this thing is true. Do you understand that? Like when Jesus rose from the grave. The Bible records that 500 people said they saw him. 500 people. Can 500 people lie at once? 500 people testified that they saw Christ. That's, that's witness. Do you understand that? So let me read Second Peter 1 verse 19 to 21. It says, For we have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Verse 20. Knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. Do you see this? <laughs> Knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. Verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men. Are you seeing that singular and plural um, arrangement? He says, it didn't come by the will of man, but holy men. He didn't say holy man. But holy men of God. That means they were more than one saying the same thing. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So if it's the Holy Ghost saying it, you will have more than one person declaring the same thing. So if you read the Bible and you meet a part that is confusing, it's not clear. What is this about? Oh, check if other men are saying the same thing. Are we together? And we give an example, a very dramatic example. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 8. First Timothy 2 verse 8. You know, I, I said one time that if all you do in church is to come and receive miracles and solve problems, it's not different from a herbalist center. <laughs> your herbalist will not ask you, how is your relationship with God? See, your Christian life is not part of your life. It's your life. You know, as a minister, one of the things I told myself that I must do, in, I must consider because when people come to a church, their life can be affected by what they hear. So, I must play my part. I must be serious. Do you understand that? By ministry, we can shape the, the, the way a person's life will go. So, we must be careful. Praise God. Now, look at this. First Timothy 2 verse 8. It says, I would therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Verse 9. In like manner also. Most people ignore the in like manner, but that's not the talk for now. That women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness, and not to brighty, not to broidered hair, or gold, or pills, or costly array. Now, if you read this thing just like this. So, the Bible is saying, 
do not wear gold. Do not plait your hair. No pearls. Have, have you not heard things like that? And by the way, that's not the gospel. That type of preaching is not the gospel. I've entered buses before. And somebody came to preach and I was excited. Oh! Somebody, I will hear the word of God. Praise the Lord! Everybody shouted, Hallelujah! He's alive! Amen! He's, after we sang, He's alive! Jesus is alive forever! He's alive! Amen! Sister! <laughs> you wearing your ring, God is watching you. You wearing gold! Ha ha ha! Your gold, no, the time where you go. Hey. <laughs> one even said, Don't you remember? It was gold that was put together in the, in the wilderness that made the Israelites sin against God. Now, this looks a little bit troubling. Don't wear gold. Okay, so let's assume that's what he's saying. Are you with me? Let's assume that that's what it's saying. So let's keep on reading the Bible. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3. We saw that this last week. 1 Peter 3 from verse 1. It says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the compassion of their wives. So he's saying, if you have a, a husband who is not saved, if they, if, they, if they obey not the word, you have to read the previous verse, not the word. They may without the word, that means without the preaching, they will be turned over by your lifestyle, by conversation of the wives. Verse 2. Why do behold your chaste conversation, your lifestyle actually, coupled with feet? Verse 3. Whose adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plating of the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. If he's saying you should not wear gold and you should not plate your hair, he's also saying you should not wear clothes. Are you seeing this? And that cannot be what he's saying. So, let's read it again. Who's adorning? Let it not be that outward. You don't, don't drop this outward. It's important. Let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold on putting of apparel. The next verse. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. So what is he saying? He's saying what you call beautification, what as a woman, what you call beautification, what you call adorning is not your gold. Your real adorning is not your gold, your clothes or anything you wear outwardly. It is your spirit. Which will, which will be displayed in the way you act. That meek and quiet spirit. Praise the Lord. So he's not talking about gold. He's using gold as a comparison. He's not saying let's, don't, He's saying, don't let your whole, what you call Adon, he's also talking to women in this thing, in the fact that there are some people that when it comes to gold, oh, when it comes to spiritual things, they are not serious. When it comes to the things of the word of God, they are not serious. But when it comes to gold, shoot, ah, ah, I bought that gold. You know how much? If they are driving and they see a shoe, they can't. <laughs> he's not saying you should not wear gold. He's not saying your adorning should not be that. Praise God. Why? Witness. Are you seeing that there was another verse in the Bible that addressed the exact same thing? Praise God. The exact same thing, another verse treated it. Praise the Lord. We'll mention one more for I just want everyone who is here today to just get a recap and talk about this or and close for today. Some other examples. Deuteronomy 22 verse 5. Many of you know this one already. Uh, 
No, I just read it for the reading's sake, you know. Some of you know it already. Amen. Deuteronomy 22 verse 5. It says, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are, are abomination unto the Lord thy God. I never used to take this thing serious until one day I was in a taxi and I was preaching to a man. So I had preached to this man and the man was responding. And I said, wow, I've never seen a young person preach to me like this. That I'm, I'm so moved. And I said, but he was taking me on a drop. So he got to the house and I prayed with him. He said, I want to tell you something. So I was thinking he would give me one strong counsel and advice. He said, you will do one thing for me as a pastor. I said, what, sir? He said, please, be telling women that they should not wear trousers. I said, why? He said, Deuteronomy 22 verse 5 says, a woman shall not wear that which pertains to a man. I said, okay, sir. I didn't argue with him. I said, thank you, sir. I would will, I will consider it. Say that that's good. He said, when you do that, you'll be a man of holiness. I'm serious. It happened here now. So <laughs> he's as uh, this verse said, a woman should know that we pertain unto a man. Have you read the Bible? And uh, the Bible says trousers pertain to men and skirts pertain to women. Where did you see it? Let's read another verse of the Bible. Psalm 113. Psalm 133. Psalm 1 to 3 verse 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Verse 2. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that round down the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. Aaron was wearing skirts. The high priest was wearing skirts. You know the funny thing? It was God that made his cloth for him. Hey. So, before you start read the Bible, find more witnesses. Do you understand? This cat, it was God that sold it. The, God put the even oh God, all the details of this clothing was given by God. Praise the Lord. So let's look at more today. Praise the Lord. Before I go on, I want to touch a point. Please, as a Christian, make up your mind that you will take eternal things seriously. That you will take spiritual things seriously. If you don't have that in your life, ah, all is lost. That's the truth. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 25. This verse of the Bible was a verse that, that hey, it got me thinking. Of. It says, And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. You know, King James, that word temperate may confuse you a little bit. Give another translation. I will, explain, I will still explain temperate, but give another translation. It says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive perishable rest. Go back to my King James. <laughs> that English is not today to explain that one. Every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. In engineering, there's something called tempering. Tempering. Now, what is tempering? Tempering is the ability of a metal to withstand pressure after so much heating. So they go through a process where they put it on fire. It becomes a little bit soft. Then they begin to heat it. That heating process is called annealing. But the ability of the metal to take pressure and not break. So that it does not become brittle. Ah, it goes cool. Oh, wisdom, wisdom. 
temperate. Meaning, every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. They can beat him. He, he can withstand pressure because of the crown he wants to obtain. How much, how much pressure have you withstood because of your spiritual growth? How much? And now he says, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we are incorruptible. Amen. See, your investment in your work with God will affect your life in this world and in the world to come. It's a two-edged <laughs> um, reward system. Both in this world and in the world to come. Some of you have invested so much for Fales. Oh, they have invested so much on TikTok. <laughs> there is a way you go. You know, when it comes to jesting and having fun, you need to know the limits. Are you following me? You need to know when. Don't leave me, don't leave me. You are still leaving, you are still leaving your spiritual heritage. You, no. Now, the funny thing is, that person may not have, is a dangerous thing to be excited, to be so excited about jesting but you are not that excited about spiritual things is it is a bad sign are you following this there's a guy i'm trying to he's a christian he's a great singer he's a great singer but when it comes to jesting he's so excited when we come for prayer and bible study he's not serious i say no this is not a good sign the other day i, I very the guy was so excited he was just going around on facebook you carry a, a, an iron Put water on it and say, what is this? Liquid metal. Everybody shouts, don't leave me, don't leave me. I'm like, oh. Now, that cracks me up. <laughs> I laughed, but I was like, hey. You can't continue like this. Way. There's no problem. Have your jesting. But when we see your excitement for the things of the spirit, and we compare to your jesting, yeah, this, this guy is a man of God. He just, he, do you know what I'm trying to say? When it, when it comes to, if everything that has to come to God, you are not serious. But when it comes to, don't leave me, you are so serious. Ah, you have left him since so. He says, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we are incorruptible. No, you can't stand before God and say, ah, God, don't leave me. Shall? Oh, no, 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 no. Even if you are a Christian and you are sensitive to the Spirit, the Holy Ghost will tell you, this talk is getting too much. There are times where you talk, 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 talk. You, don't, you know the gist has finished, but nothing to say again. You add more pepper, lie on top, put, so that the, you keep on talking. No. No when to stop and go and pray. Amen? No when to take a message and listen to it. Praise God. So let's go to the next principle. The principle of context. Say after me, context. Hey, Jesus, this one. Labrodo Soto Kupina. Context. He says, truth does not exist without a given context. Or you can write it like this truth exists only within a given context. For instance, now, if I ask a child in Nigeria, who is the president of your country? Of your country. That's the correct pronunciation. Who is the president? You will say, President Muhammad Buhari. If you take that child to the U.S. and ask him, who is the president of your country? Now, it depends on which country you are talking about. Do you understand? So if you ask the children, who is the president of our country? And the guy lifts up his hand. President Buhari. Somebody may slap him. Why? The context is different. So, it is true that in Nigeria, that is his president. But if he goes to a different nation and maybe becomes a citizen of that nation, who is his president? Donald Trump. Are you following this? So you cannot separate truth from context. For instance, people say, people say things like, 
I don't like all these contest teachers. All these people that used to, all these pastors, they have come again. No? All these pastors, they do like they no, no, no too much, no, no too much. It's not about no too much. It's about the truth. For instance, people say, eh, it's not about all these things. The letter killers, the letter killers, but the spirit giveth life. Do you know what they are saying? To them, they think when they say the letter killers means the written word, that if you just stay with the written word, it will destroy you. How can the written word, the word that will give you life, how will it destroy you? How can, what do you mean the letter killers? He said, if you are just following the written word, it's the spirit that gives life. Oh yeah, let's go and look at what it means when it says the letter killers. Second Timothy chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You know I can talk like that? I was there. <laughs> Amen. So it's not because we, we all woke up and knew everything. So we had to unlearn some things. Praise God. Read from verse 3. It says, For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us. No, that's far. Please, verse 5. Please. It says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of us of ourselves, but our sufficiencies of God. Say, my sufficiencies of God. Oh, say, my sufficiencies of God. My abilities of God. My supplies of God. Declare that to yourself. My sufficiencies of God. My abilities of God. My supplies of God. My strengthenings of God. Amen. Verse 6. Who has made us able ministers of the New Testament? So, let's read verse 5 into verse 6. It says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything else of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter. So, the letter is a comparison to a testament. Who is following this? It says, Who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. That means, if they are ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. That means the New Testament is of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. What is the letter? Let's read on. That means, we are not of the letter, but of the New Testament. That means the letter actually represents a testament. What is that testament? Is that, that was verse 6, back. Now it's verse 7. But if the ministration of death, now, using a different uh, word, ministration of death, written and engraved in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses, for the glory of his countenance, which glory fled away. That means, where's my marker? Let me do something. He's doing comparison here. This is New Testament, right? Now, we don't know. He's comparing New Testament with letter. Are you following this? He says, the letter giveth, the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. So, spirit is on the side of New Testament, letter is on the side of on the other testament. Now, he has called this one too. For if the ministration of death written and engraved in stones was glorious, so that children of Israel could not testify behold the face of Moses for the glory. Now, he calls this one again, ministration of what? Ministration of death. Could not testify behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance. Go to the next verse. How shall, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? Now, He's comparing ministration of death to what? Ministration of the spirits. Verse, verse 9. For if the ministration of glory be for if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more the ministration of righteousness exceeding glory. So he's com comparing them again. This is ministration of righteousness. Are you following this? This is ministration of righteousness. This is ministration of condemnation. Of condemnation. So now, go to verse 10. For even that which was made glorious had no glory, had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelled. Don't go too far. 
Look at this table of words and opposites, according to Paul. So, this is ministry of righteousness, ministry of condemnation, ministry of spirit, ministry of death, spirit letter. So, what is the, what is the testament? Old testament. You can say law. You can say old. So. When he says the letter killeth, he's not talking about the written word. He's talking about the Old Testament. So the letter killeth is talking about the Old Testament of Moses' ordinances was destined for the condemnation of those people. But ours in Christ is for our righteousness. Glory! So the letter killeth does not mean the written word. Are you following this? saying when it means the letter kill it not that the written word say if you are just reading the bible ah if it's just bible you are staying with no 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 the letter kill it means the old testament was will produce condemnation so that old testament regime it kills that is also called the cause of the law the cause of the law was that the destiny of everybody under the law was condemnation no matter how you tried, you were destined to fail. Praise God. But we, we are destined for life in Christ. Amen. Amen. Context. Without context, you lose the truth. So, now, are you seeing that in this context, letter does not mean written, the written word. It means a testament. So, Let's look at another example of context. Very important example. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 from verse 25. I know that this style of ministry and teaching is not common to a lot of people. In fact, yesterday, <laughs> I, can't, I can't come out of that, your, guys, your friend's reaction. I'm still, it's, it's still soon fade off from me, but the guy was reacting. Hey, Jesus. <laughs> you know when we are hearing the word of God and it's contracting with what, most of what, 50% of what you've known before. It's not that. That's just it's the Bible. Praise God. It's not about the fact that, oh, we know plenty of things. We want to show you that. No, it's, we just want to be faithful with the word of God. Praise God. Give me from when um, Philip West met the Ethiopian eunuch. Think. Let's check verse 28. Good. 29. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. So God moved Philip to go and join himself to, to himself to an Ethiopian eunuch that was traveling from Jerusalem back to Ethiopia. Amen. And Philip ran to that to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. So he was reading the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is just Greek form of Isaiah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Are you cold? <laughs> Somebody's looking at me. Amen. We we'll call the Lord for a pillar of fire by the day to warm you. And Philip ran to that to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? Ah, King James. He says, How can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his sharer. It was actually Isaiah 53. Do you understand? So, the, the man was reading Isaiah 53. And he, so he opened not his mouth. Verse 33. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who shall declare the generation for his life was taken from the earth. And Enoch answered Philip, pay attention to this verse. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh this, the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? This is the, a context challenge. Who is the prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself? If he's talking about himself, it's a different thing. Or is he talking about some other man? Are you seeing this? That means in reading the Bible, you must know who he's talking and who is he talking to. What is he talking about? Where is he talking? Are you following this? You don't just carry a verse that you don't know who is talking to who. You just carry it out of the Bible. That is pulling scriptures out of context. 
you can you can make anything what it seems like without context. Praise God. Of whom speaketh this the prophet this of himself or of some other man? See verse thirty-five. Because the Old Testament is about Christ, and Philip opened his mouth and began at that at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Amen. Because the context there was Christ. Let's do one more. Let me see how many examples we can take. Okay, we'll do one or two examples and we'll close. Now, open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 28, verse 13. Just verse 13. Matthew 28 from verse 13. Shane, say ye. His disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. Listen, I want to tell you, Jesus didn't rise. His body was stolen away. Somebody looking at me. Is that not what the verse is saying? Say, say yeah, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. Everybody is shocked. They're looking at me, right? That's what you do when you read this verse out of context. That's what you do when you read the Bible out of context. You can make anything what you want it to sound like. For you to get this context, you have to read who was talking. Who was he talking to? Go to verse 11. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priest all the things that were done. Now, what happened here? Jesus Christ has resurrected. To get this full story, go a little bit backward. Verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Mandaline and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. For fear of the keepers did, did shake and became as dead men. And the angel of the Lord answered and said unto women, Fear not, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here for his reason, as he had said, Come and see the place where the Lord lay. So from here we can see, we, we is clear that Christ rose, right? So he rose. Verse 7. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy and did run to bring the, his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Hallelujah. And, he said, and Jesus said unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they, go, that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Now they were going, and some of the watch came into the city. Who were, who were the people that were going? The people that Jesus spoke to. Are you seeing this? Now they were going. Behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed the chief priests who were some of the watch. Some of the watch represented the people, the watchers of the tomb. Remember verse 1. It was the watchers that fell and became as dead men. Are you seeing how context is important? Very important. And for, for the fear of the keepers, they did shake and became as dead men. Go, so go back. Now they were going. Some of the watch came into the city. And showed unto the chief priests all things that were done. Verse 12. And when they were assembled with the elders, they had taken counsel and gave large money unto the soldiers. Verse 13. Saying. So who was doing the saying? The chief priests. Are you seeing this? The chief priests was the, were the ones that said this thing. It was not, it's not that that was what the Bible declares. Are you following this? The chief is the one saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. Imagine you take this scripture out and you throw away the other verses. Are you seeing what context is doing? Sometimes you need to read the verses before, you need to read the verses after. Are you seeing? Amen. Another good example of context you see is the same in, the, in Genesis chapter 
3, the serpent represented the devil. But in John chapter 3, Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up, and he will draw men to himself. In this context, Jesus was saying that he represents, the serpent represented him. So in one context, the serpent represented the devil, and in another context, the serpent represented Jesus. Are you seeing our context? So you must know, what is he talking about? Who is he talking to? Praise the Lord. Let's do one funny one. Just one funny one. and you. Will. James 1 from verse 9. He says, let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. Ha! <laughs> hey. When I saw the scripture first day, I said, ah! Let me tell you where the scripture first came out. When we did first semester in the university, and people were having two point something CGPA. Somebody else brought out the scripture and the devotion the next day. Let the brother of low degree rejoice. Hey, guys, say Rema. Hey, low degree. You're on a 2 2, second class lower. Rejoice before you are going to be exalted. Ah, see rejoicing. Do you know I was daft too? Let the brother of low degree, maybe by now someone that shouted, Don't leave me, don't leave me. Let the brother of low degree rejoice. He that is exalted. Is that what he's talking about? Reading the context, you will know it's not low degree. There is not. It's not talking about degree in school. He's talking about social status, class. How do I know? You will see more scriptures that use this degree. Do I go to that? Ah, I will get ahead of myself. Get ahead of myself. Well, let me just show you. Okay. So we have James 1 verse 9. Now, look at Luke 1 verse 52. You see why that first principle of reading is very important. Luke 1 verse 52. It says, He had put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. Praise the Lord. So these are the things we consider. Now we've talked about context. But you see, that scripture is a good is a good scripture for you. If you are at a point and you feel like let me read, let's go back to that look, that James 1 verse 9. So while you've seen the error, be blessed by the message. That's another thing. Many people, when they learn principles of biblical interpretation, they don't come to church to be blessed again. They just come and all that is in their mind is I'm here to examine this pastor. He said the wrong thing here. He's doing this. They, they become um, custom officers inside church. While that is good to help you your spiritual devotion and balance know when you are, know when you are becoming too critical. Do you understand that? So you can focus so, when the pastor makes a mistake or whenever the person makes a mistake, you don't now make it your point of duty as the police. Do you understand that kind of thing? The reason we are teaching you so that you will know how to take what is right, spit out the sticks and focus on the real food and be blessed. Amen. So that when somebody is also trying to give you junk, you say, I oh, know, with due honor and respect, sir. I disagree with this. I was blessed by this. Do you understand? Praise God. Let the brother of low degree rejoice. Ah! What does this mean? This is a verse of hope. It's a verse of hope. No matter how low you are right now in life, whether financially, mar maritally, it looks like it, it, the money is not forthcoming, it's, still, it, it's telling you rejoice. Rejoice. Don't allow yourself. I tell people, especially brethren, 
no matter how it is for you, don't allow yourself get under this gloomy. Make a make a do like say no day you miserable. I found a nothing day or nothing day. Let me tell you, it's not gloomy face that maybe will help you. It's not gloomy face. So man naturally is hardened. So they will see a beggar and just beg. We want to die, die, yeah. <laughs> but God, by His Spirit, will touch a man's heart. So you're looking bad. There is nothing to gain from it. Look good. Rejoice. Praise God. God has a plan for your life. Are you following me? Don't try to attract pity to yourself. Don't try to get people to pity you. Say, ah, now we, we are the young, we are the people, we don't have so much money in this church. Uh, we are the people who, well, we trust God that there will be a way the palliative is not getting to us. <laughs> uh, no! What does it say? Rejoice. Somebody say glory! Rejoice! Rejoice if all you ate last year, yesterday is Gary. Rejoice. Amen? Rejoice. It won't be forever. Amen. In Jesus' name. One more verse that both is a blessing and it corroborates all I've been saying. Galatians 6 from verse 1. You know sometimes to get the full scope of context, you may need to go a little bit backward. Sometimes you need to read a whole chapter before. So let's look at this briefly. Brethren, Galatians 6 verse 1. Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now, he's talking about people who are overtaken in temptation and those who are more spiritual or spiritual. Now, go to verse 8. It says, For he that sweat to his flesh, no, read verse 7 first, please. It says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sweats, that shall he also reap. Have you heard the scripture before? Now, it's used a lot in reference to money and sowing material things. That, that's good. That's good. But that's not the actual context here. How do you know the actual context? The first verse tells us something to hold in our mind. Go to the next verse. For he that sweats to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He's trying to tell you if you see a person that claims to be a Christian and after a while you see him running in the flesh, he's struggling with wrong habits. Wrong. He's becoming corrupt. He says he's sowed to the flesh. It's not a mystery. Do you understand? There was a time he was sowing to his flesh till the flesh took over him and he now became corrupt. Do you understand that? He says, he that sweats to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sweats to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. You know people say, I don't know. It's not, it's the devil did it to I don't know where it happened. The devil just took over. See. see so it was the devil. It was the devil. No. He's saying God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sweats, that shall he also reap. For he that sweats to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sweats to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Praise the Lord. Ah, this verse struck me in 2016. If I can sow to my spirit, there is something in my future waiting for me. Hey, if I can sow. I can, he's, he's trying to tell you that the spirit realm is a planting ground. You can sow to your spirit. And it will influence your life. You will see yourself produce fruits of righteousness. Amen. You can sow. Prayer is a seed. Coming from meetings is a seed. Listening to the word of God is a seed. Soon you will see yourself growing spiritually. That's what he's talking about here. Spiritual growth. That's the context here. Praise God. Arrange your offerings right now. Thank you for listening to the sermon. We hope you have been blessed by the teaching. 
please visit our website newbridgeccng.org to download more of our sermons. Remain blessed.